hello and welcome back to another episode of General Conference Conversations, a podcast where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you talking about Christ's chosen leaders. So let's get right into it. Today, we are diving into the Saturday afternoon session, and um, I thought I would... <laughs> Funny, funny story. As I was like preparing, I always once once conference is done, I go through and map out what days I want to have episodes out and like planning for it so that I am obviously that I can prepare and do all of this. And this is actually technically the third speaker is Alder Renland. Um, but the first two speakers, we have the Standing of General Authorities, Area 70s, and General Officers, and then the Church Auditing Report. And so I, I realized that the Standing of General Authorities, because I've done this before, and I know on Saturday afternoons usually when they do the sustainings. And um, so I like remembered to, to keep that off my list because I don't usually go over that right it's not like a you can go over that list yourself um but i accidentally put the church auditing report as one of the ones that i was going to cover and i and it it like kept messing up my dates and numbers because i also don't usually cover the auditing report it's pretty short and you can you know go and it's like three paragraphs you can go and read it yourself um so yeah, it just, it kept like, it kept throwing me off. <laughs> so just to share that. So this is actually the third speaker, but the first like full talk given by by Elder Renlund, um, accessing God's power through covenants. And as I was reading through my notes, I realized that I have a lot to say about this talk. So we'll see how long it ends up being. Um, but I do, I have quite a few thoughts on this. It was a really, really good talk. So, as always, I encourage you to listen to and or watch this talk um, yourself before you come listen to me talk about it so you can get your own inspirations, your own questions, your own promptings, and then hopefully I can add to um, your study and point out things um, that you might not have noticed or might not have thought about. So, he starts by talking about... Um, he dedicated a, a temple in Brazil last year, and he learned about the Amazon River while he was down there. It was pretty close to the Amazon River, and he says it's the most powerful river in the world, but every year, twice a year, something kind of unnatural seems to happen. Um, when everything's aligned just so, there's a powerful tidal wave that flows up the river against the flow of water um up to like six meters high if you think about that in feet six times is about three feet per meter that's 18 no nope 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 hold on <laughs> six times three yeah 18 i was right i just doubt myself Mass hard, 18 feet high. Um, that's a huge wave. That's an absolutely huge wave. Um, traveling as far as 50 kilometers, 30 miles. 
upstream. Um, and it is usually known as a tidal bore and is referred to locally as a pororoca or great roar because it's really loud. Um, and so he goes on talking about heavenly powers. And so he says this, like the Amazon, we have a natural flow to our lives. We tend to do what comes naturally. Like the Amazon, with heavenly help, we can do seemingly unnatural things. After all, it is not un it is not natural for us to be humble, meek, or willing to submit our wills to God. Yet only by doing so we can we be transformed, return to live in the presence of God, and achieve our eternal destiny. And so he uses this as kind of his his jumping off point, talking about covenants and where we get that power to go against our natural man, to go against our natural inclinations, to be humble and teachable and to become like Christ and become like God. And so um, he quotes President Nelson a couple of times. And then I really liked this, it's just one little sentence, but I really liked the way that he explains a covenant. He says, a covenant is a pledge that we should prepare for, clearly understand, and absolutely honor. And I really, 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 really liked this. <laughs> and um, and he goes on to talk about like making covenant is different than just making a casual promise. The priesthood is involved. It's a promise kind of forever, like you're bound to it. Like it's, it's a big deal. And um, I, I think... I was not prepared for the covenants that I made in the temple. I also don't think I was prepared for the covenants I made when I was baptized. Both of those occurrences, I, I did it because that was the next step. That was what I was supposed to do. I turned eight, so I got baptized. I was going on my mission, so I went to the temple. And of course I was excited. I was excited for those things. I was excited to, I, I've loved the temple for, as long as I can remember, um, and being able to like venture to the rest of the temple, not just the baptistry, was super exciting for me um, because I love the temple and I wanted to know more about it and have more experiences in it. But <laughs> for one, I wasn't able to do a temple prep course because I got my call in like early February and I left for the MTC, I went to the MTC April 3rd. Yeah, April 3rd, or April 6th. Anyway, the first week of April, so it was literally a month. And I, so I got my endowments two weeks before I left for my mission, and I only went to the temple twice before I was a missionary um, for a session. And I went quite a bit on my mission. Um, we went every week in the MTC because the Provo MTC or the Provo Temple is literally right across the street from the MTC. And I was blessed to have a temple in my mission. It was closed, but we had another temple 20 minutes away <laughs> that we were able to go to uh, every transfer, every six weeks. And so I got to go a lot. I know a lot of missionaries don't have that. A blessing to have a temple either close or in your mission at all 
Um, and so I was lucky that I had that temple so close that I was able to go quite often. Um, but I really, but I didn't get to have a temple prep course. There wasn't enough time. And so I got the, you know, preparing to enter the holy temple by Boyd K. Packer, a little like pamphlet. Um, but even that, I read it and I, I don't, it didn't, it didn't feel like it prepared me. Part of that for me was like, I was prepared. I think I was prepared for the doctrine. I mean, that's what most of that pamphlet talked about was like the doctrine that we, that we talk about in the temple is the plan of salvation and you make covenants. It didn't ever talk about what covenants they were, <laughs> what I was actually promising to do. Um, and also for me personally, the logistics of like what was actually going to happen in the temple was something I really wanted to know because I don't do well with unknown things when I don't know what's going to happen, when I don't know what to expect. And so that was really overwhelming for me um, that I didn't, and I, of course, looking back now, I know that everybody knew that it was my first time and so it was going to be new and different. I had so much help. My mom was there. Like it wasn't like it was, it's not like I was thrown in the deep end and then just told have fun, good job, good luck. Um, but I definitely was not prepared to the point where I think I could have been. There are a lot of things that we can talk about outside of the temple that we don't talk about outside the temple. I think because we're worried about talking about stuff that we're not supposed to talk about. There are very few things that we covenant not to talk about outside of the temple. Um, we don't covenant not to talk about our covenants. We can talk about what we covenant in the temple. And he literally lists, I have this later, he lists all of the covenants that we make in the temple. And and that's changed now um, in the mission or the temple prep courses. It lists all of the, the covenants that you make in the temple. They've also changed that in the temple before a session starts. It the There's, you know, an announcement. <laughs> They're like a welcome message or whatever. Um, lists and, and tells you exactly what covenants you're going to be making that day. And that was only changed in February of this year, February 2023. Um, and so I think honestly, like he's I, there, it's getting better to the point where you people who are going to the temple for the first time at least have an idea of what they're covenanting. Um, I think it's better with baptism because we talk about baptism a lot more. Um, but also I think we could be better about talking to, you know, well, eight year olds who are about to get baptized about what exactly they are covenanting, what exactly they are promising. Um, so my question, what my first question is, I really want you to think about this. Were you prepared for the covenants you made at baptism or in the temple? I know baptism is a little different because, you know, eight years old, that's a long time ago. Even for me, I don't remember a whole lot about my baptism. Um, but were you prepared? Can you help other people be prepared? My sister-in-law is getting her endowment this Saturday. We're not going to be able to be there, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I hope that she knows that she can ask me things. I hope that she knows that she can, you know, ask questions about things that she's confused about or, you know, is unprepared for and, and things like that. And I want to be better with my own children when they decide to be baptized and go to the temple about um, what they're going to expect and what what they can expect to do. Um, 
So anyway, I love that he like say that so plainly that we should prepare for it, clearly understand it, and absolutely honor. I mean, it's a big like he said, it's a big deal. It's a big commitment that we're making between us and God, and um, that we should understand that that we should know what we were what we're getting into. It was very different when I got married. I had I had done proxy ceilings before. Um, and so I knew what the sealing promises and this, I know what the sealing ceremony looked like. I had participated as a proxy. And so I knew what I was going to be covenanting because I'd heard it before. And so I was prepared. I knew what I'd be covenanting with my husband on the day that we got married. And so that was a very different, I mean, there were still things that you don't do when you're doing proxy. Um, there are parts to this, the live sealing ceremony that's different, as there are still things that I didn't know what would happen. Um, but at least that part of it, like I knew what I was going to be covenanting. I knew what I was going to be promising my husband. And that actually took a lot of load off of my mind of like, that was something known. I knew what I was getting into. And I was excited to make those covenants with him. He also... Um, talks about the covenant path. He says, the term covenant path refers to a series of covenants whereby we come to Christ and connect to him. And I'd like, I wanted to talk about that because I feel like sometimes when we talk about the covenant path, um, we think of it as like this one way to do everything and only if you do everything in your life this exact one way, that's the only way you're going to get back to God. The covenant path refers to the series of covenants that are stepping stones toward our, our like eternal goal of becoming like Christ and returning to God. It's a path. It's stepping stones. The covenants are... They're not check boxes. That, oh, I baptized. Oh, I got my initiatory. Oh, I got my endowment. Oh, I'm sealed now. I'm good. Um, it's not a checklist. It's a path. And and a powerful path. A powerful path that through those stepping stones, through the that path, we are we make commitments with God and we have a, a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, but it is a path. And the, the, that path, the covenant path, looks different for everybody. Not everybody is baptized when they're eight. Not everybody gets their endowments when they're in their 20s. Not everybody gets sealed in their 20s, right? Not everybody gets sealed, period. And so um, it does, it looks, it looks really different. And, I, and I've loved in recent years, um, I didn't have a problem with my endowments because I went, because I went on a mission. Um, but for years and years and years, even when was my best friend was only a couple years older than me, two years older than me, and she didn't go on a mission, um, and she's not married yet, but she wanted to get her endowments taken out, I think, around the time she turned, like, 18, 19, she felt like she was ready to get her endowments, um, and at the time, her stake president was very firm on women get their endowments when they get married or they go on a mission. They don't get them for anything else. And so she had to wait. She waited until she she 
went into her YSA ward and she was able to get her endowments then. But, um, yeah, it, it, that was, that was the thing, right? Like that was my, my mom as well. Um, you get your endowments when you get married or you go into mission. Um, I think same for men. It's, it's a little bit more, um, what's the word, common that they would go on a mission and so they'd get it when they're, you know, 19, 20, whatever. Um, but recently in the last few years, there's been general authorities and general officers who have talked about, you know, if you feel ready, regardless of whether you're getting married or going on a mission, if you'll feel ready to go and get your endowments, um, to go through with your endowments, then you should start that process. Um, and they've still obviously <laughs> made sure that you know it's a big deal and so it shouldn't be just done, oh, as soon as you turn 18, you should go because you're 18. It's, it's when you are ready, when you feel that you should go and get, like, make those covenants. Um, but I like that. I like that that has been a change because if you don't go on a mission and you don't get married until you're 30 or whatever, right, you don't have the opportunity to go to the temple before then. Um, and so having that little bit of a difference in policy, culture, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> um, like they're acknowledging that every covenant path looks different. Everybody's life looks different. Um, so, so yeah. So then he talks about um, baptism and like the covenants that we make. And this is kind of a long quote, but I thought it was really, really good because it was not that it felt like jammed in here. It felt pretty natural, but it was also kind of not off topic, but it didn't seem like it really fit with everything else he was talking about, but it does because he's talking about his, the covenants we make at baptism. So he says, at baptism and when we partake of the sacrament, we witness that we are willing to take on ourselves the name of Jesus Christ. In this context, let us be mindful of the Old Testament commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. To our modern ears, this sounds like a prohibition against irreverently using the Lord's name. The commandment includes that, but its injunction is even more profound. The Hebrew word translated as take means to lift up or carry, as one would a banner that identifies oneself as an individual or group. The word translated as vain means empty or deceptive. The commandment to not take the Lord's name in vain can thus mean you should not identify yourself as a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you intend to represent him well. And I remember seeing a post on Instagram, and it's been years and years ago, talking about this, that it's not just saying, you know, oh my God, or like using the Lord's name, either Lord or God as like a swear word, um, which is a form of this, right? It is because you're using it in a, in a way that's not actually like, it's empty, like you said, empty or deceptive. I sometimes say, oh Lord, help me, because I'm literally saying like, Lord, help me. I am praying to you out loud, <laughs> right? That's 
to me that's not taking the Lord's name in vain because I'm I'm literally asking for his help out loud. Um, but I like that he, he he puts this in here that it's not just taking the Lord's name in vain in the way that we always say with the, with the language and like swearing and things like that, but also representing Christ well and using his name for causes that are actually causes that Christ fought for and preached about and um, not using it in a way that disparages others and there are definitely times in history when powerful people have used their status as a Christian, their beliefs, their faith in Christ to do horrible things to other people in the name of Christ, in the name of God. And that is not cool. <laughs> that's an under, understatement, but that's not cool. And there are people today who use their faith and the name of God to to do terrible things and to treat people not the way that Christ would treat them and that's um it makes me really sad that there are people who profess to love Christ and are so mean and horrible to his children so I just wanted to point that out and then as I said he goes through um, the covenants that you make in the temple, and I just wanted to read these really quickly, um, because I like that he just lists them off. I think it's really cool. And if you've never, if you haven't been through an endowment session, if you have not been endowed, um, you can hear what one day you might be making these covenants. In the endowment, we covenant first to strive to keep the commandments of God, second to repent with a broken heart and contrite spirit, third to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do this by exercising faith in him, making covenants with God as we receive the ordinances of salvation and exaltation, keeping those covenants throughout our lives and striving to live the two great commandments to love God and neighbor. We covenant fourth, to keep the law of chastity, and fifth, to dedicate ourselves and everything the Lord blesses us with to build up his church. And these, of course, aren't um, exactly how they're talked about in the um, in the temple endowment. It, they're, they're all like the law of sacrifice, the law of chastity, the law of consecration. Um, I'm doing these out of order, so <laughs> don't like quote me on this, but like I said, you can find it in the, the temple prep um, manual, like teacher's manual. They have them all listed out by law of gospel, law of whatever. So yes, yeah, so I, just, I love that he lists those out so plainly. Um, I'm just trying to see what else I have. Like, there's quite a few quotes that I wanted to read. Sometimes I don't have very many things that I want to like read from these talks, but there was quite a few in this one that he just said things so beautifully. Um, he says this about, about covenants, of course. <laughs> um, he says, keeping covenants made in baptismal fonts and in temples also provides us with strength to withstand mortality's trials and heartaches 
The doctrine associated with these covenants eases our way and provides hope, comfort, and peace. And I have this note down. I don't remember why this made me think of this. But apparently it did because I, I made this note when I was studying this the other day. Um, so as part of Roots Tech a few months ago, they did a leadership training with Elder Bednar and Elder Gong um, and a couple of other um, general officers and general authorities. I can't remember all who exactly was there, but they were talking about, of course, family history. It's Roots Tech is family history. But they also were were talking about the temples and um, Elder Bednar talked about um, how he was talking about sequences and the like the pattern of things that have happened in scriptures, in our church history, in the history of Christianity. And so he was talking about how often we put a lot of emphasis on the temple. And we talk about how the temple is amazing and we all need to go to the temple and that the temple is end all be all. And, you know, we talk a little bit about the covenants that we make in there and the endowments or whatever. And we very rarely talk about Christ in connection with the temple. And he's like, that's not how we should be talking about it. That's like, we should be the sequence, the, the, the proper sequence is to, to nurture our, um, our relationship with Christ, to have personal relationship with Christ. And once we have that faith and that relationship with him, we are going to want to make covenants with him. And then we have more of a connection with those covenants because we are making them with this person that we have a relationship with. And the temple is where we do that. It's like, yes, the temple is important because it is where we make covenants with Christ and with God. And so he was just like, it just needs to be like switched a little bit. Like we need to have an emphasis on a different part of that sequence. And he talked about that with missions as well. Um, he was like, when we, we have such an emphasis on missions, and especially with young men, we have such an emphasis on them going on a mission um, that we sometimes neglect the, the importance of preparing for um, like having an actual relationship with Christ, right? And preparing to receive the Melchizedek priesthood for elders and then to have those covenants, prepare to have those covenants like Elder Renlund talks about, being prepared for them and completely clearly understanding them and being prepared to make that big of a commitment and then to go on the mission and to spread that joy that they have had because they have a relationship with Christ and because they have made covenants with him. Um, and I just loved that, that like, and I mean, of course, this is nothing new, right? We've had talks about this for years of putting Christ at the center of things. And there's been a lot of changes, policy changes and um, procedural changes 
even in the temple, the changes that they made in February, um, there's many parts of the um, endowment session, ceremony, ceremony is a weird word to say that, but it is a ceremony, um, that as part of the like visual aids that they have, they have pictures of Christ that weren't actually there before. Um, like still pictures of him. Of course, Christ has always been a huge part of the endowment session. There's a role in the plan of salvation, but having pictures um, that we all recognize and have, have seen all of our lives. Um, they also, this is a small change, but I think it's cool. When you are on the Family Search app, when you go to get temple names, when you hit like find like temple ready names, I uh, hit that button when it pops up for you to, to choose um, like what um, ordinance you're wanting to do, it pops up with a picture of Christ. And it's just like a small reminder of like that's the reason that you're taking these names is so that these people can have a closer relationship with Christ they can have the choice to accept him and accept his gospel in the next life and that's really cool it's really powerful so I have loved that and I've loved like the emphasis and the just the small things that we have done even changing the logo of the gospel library app to be uh, the Christus picture and just little things like that I think we can do even bigger things like that um, but I, I thought about, I think also just in relation to this whole talk that as we are preparing to go to the temple for the first time, but also to go back to the temple as we go and do names for the dead and, and do more sessions once we are endowed or do proxy sealings or baptisms even, um, that we remember why were there. We remember the the reason that we are making these covenants and the the power that can come from them. Um, sorry, there's someone like driving past our house super slow and so I'm trying to figure out if I know them. <laughs> um, anyway, this the last quote I want to read um, is near the very end of his talk. He says, As you walk the covenant path from baptism to the temple and throughout life, I promise you power to go against the natural worldly flow, power to learn, power to repent and be sanctified, power to find hope, comfort, and even joy as you face life's challenges. I promise you and your family protection against the influence of the adversary especially when you make the temple a major focus in your life. And that's really cool. That's an apostolic blessing. That's an apostolic promise coming from Apostle of the Lord. And um, I think sometimes we forget the, the promises that we are made as we keep those covenants, that we are promised to have the Spirit to always be with us. And there's power that comes in that. And when we make those covenants, when we, as we strive to keep them, we are promised an outpouring of the Spirit. We are promised greater access to God Himself and God's power, power in the priesthood. I think we forget sometimes that 
the endowment is an endowment of power. That's the full name. <laughs> we just say endowment. Um, but when Joseph Smith was introducing it, it was the endowment of power, getting an endowment of power. Um, I think about that sometimes, the power that we get, the power that we are promised as we make those covenants and keep those covenants in our lives. And so that's my second question is, how have you felt power through your covenants, baptismal or temple? Um, if you have not been to the temple yet, your baptismal covenants, what power have you felt through those covenants? So <laughs> that's all I've got for you. Um, but to recap those questions, how have you felt, how have you felt power through your covenants, baptismal or temple covenants? And then, um, oh, I lost my spot. Were you prepared for the covenants you made in the baptism? at baptism or in the temple. I think that's really important to reflect on um, so that we can be better going forward for our youth and kids that are going to be making those covenants um, to better understand the covenants that they're making and to be completely like prepared for that commitment. So those are the questions. As for further reading, there were quite a few footnotes um, that he either put extra quotes in, extra explanations. Some of them do have, um, like I said, quotes and then the talks those quotes are from. Um, so I decided instead of like writing out all of those um, talks by name, I would just do the footnotes so that you can go through those footnotes because not only does he reference those talks, he also gives a little bit of commentary on them or quotes specifically from those talks that aren't in his actual talk. So, and of course, I will put these in the show notes so you don't have to like struggle to scribble these down, but the ones that I noticed, uh, footnotes 7, 11, 13, 17, 18, and 19 um, all looked like they had pretty good stuff to extra stuff to look into if that's something that you want to study more and then he did specifically quote a couple of times or reference a couple of times uh, overcome the world and find rest by president nelson which was last conference october of 2022 which i have a video and an episode about so if you're curious or wanting to um read that talk specifically um that was a really powerful, really powerful talk. So yeah, so if you're looking for some extra study, you can look into into those things. Um, but that's kind of all I've got for you today. But thank you so much for listening and or watching this episode of General Conference Conversations. Um, I'm truly, truly glad that people, truly happy that people are listening and watching and hopefully getting something from um, what I share and the takeaways that I have, my experiences, questions that I ask. Um, be sure to follow me. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and you can subscribe on YouTube or follow on your podcatcher of choice to get updated on new episodes that come out. Um, and as always, comment, leave a review, email me. Um, message me on any of the social medias I'm on 
and tell me your thoughts. I'd love to have conversations with you about your experiences. Um, and all of that will be in the show notes if you are curious and wanting to get a hold of me. So um, that's all I've got for you. So I'll talk to you all next time.